Hello, this is the audio-only version of the Council on Future Conflicts. If you prefer video, please join us on the Future Conflicts channel on YouTube. If you'd like to watch the show live and participate in the chat, the show begins at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, as well as a special Saturday evening show at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, sharing our show with friends, and reviewing us on your podcasting app of choice. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Council on Future Conflicts. My name is Scott. Uh, I am the proprietor of the Future Conflict YouTube channel. Uh, this is Ukraine War Day Fifty Nine, uh, and uh, today we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a deep dive into Russia and what the hell they want out of this war, um, and are they able to continue, and uh, what are they looking for after the war right so that's going to be our kind of our our dive after the map section today uh, all things russia and the and the future of what russia wants and uh, as always i am joined by the best council on earth the council on future conflict ron how are you doing today i'm doing great good morning good evening good afternoon to everyone how's that snow snow looking uh deep <laughs> Is this is the snow this time of year more wet than the uh, than what you get in the middle of the winter? It it is because the ground's warmer and the, and yeah. everything like that. This is, but this is a great um, spring snowstorm because we really do need the moisture out here. Yeah, uh, I, you know that's one of the things that some you know you people forget. That's how you get your moisture when it's cold. So even though it's a pain in the ass. So I, I, I'm I'm sure Stan's been busy doing a lot of exercises on snow shoveling and, and operating a snowblower because you know those those southern gentlemen don't op, know how to do all that stuff. But now <laughs> he's coming to the Great White North. I'm well acquainted with that, and I'm actually flying into Great Falls, Montana tomorrow, and there's a winter storm advisory. Uh, just, wow. to be, uh, just to be, uh, just to be, just to be repetitive for a bit. So, well, yeah, so, yeah, that's uh, that's one of those kind of things that that's just what you want to to greet you uh, in your in your new homeland of uh, the Duchy of uh, Montana. Well, Great Falls is actually a little outside the Duchy. This is business, but uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it won't last long. It'll it'll be gone by Tuesday. So. Joe, how are you it's doing? It's only seven inches. I mean, it's nothing to get worried about. So, uh, I'm doing well and good. I decided <laughs> to, uh, to represent the Israeli Defense Forces today instead of uh, instead, instead of, of the, the CIA. CIA. Yes, yeah, yes. so there it is. But I do have a couple of uh, things in keeping with uh, the you know new government requirements to represent Ukraine in all that you do. I have our required Ukrainian trident in the proper colors. And the council is also donating rockets already painted in the livery of Ukraine <laughs> to help them uh, uh, with their war effort. So don't say that the council does not support Ukraine. Hey, show, show, show off those rockets again. There we go. Yeah. These rockets are, are painted in the traditional colors of Ukraine. Uh, and they got the red on the end for, for, for when we hit the, uh, hit the Russians. And they launch fantastically. Don't. So. Don't forget Slava to Slava. Ukraine. Yeah, don't forget to Slava your crony, kids. Yeah. All I learned oh. from that is that Joe likes to play with the tips. What do I know? 
That's the rumor. <laughs> oh boy, Stan! Uh, you, I I I don't know how to save this, Scott. I mean, I you know. So. Usually, I'm the degenerate around here. I I, I like the fact that uh, Joe ha- and Ron are picking up the baton and running uh, running with it. Clearly, the snow is getting to Ron's brain. I mean, he you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, when he watches when he watches all those uh, yard signs shredded by the winter weather, I guess he probably gets a little worked up about that. So. Well, no, it's all right. They're they're I mean, he, they're good. He got uh, the deluxe but, ones. You know, this is. This is Montana politics we're talking about. They solved that problem years ago. <laughs> I, I, love, I love how they're they're cheering for you uh, in the chat here. Um, yeah, Stormy and you know, they're says, talking about the doggo. I want y'all to know that Lucy did return one of the rockets to me already. So um, we got we got good things going on. So it's a SpaceX a... rocket, right? It comes back and you can use it again. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I I, I think uh, Stormy's comment here is uh, little boys and their rockets. Well, I mean, you know. I mean, anyway, if that piece of intelligence got out that it's a little rocket. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I figure with the uh, the the mankinis and the banana hammocks, it, you, there's not a whole lot uh, left to the imagination, right, Joe? Oh, wait until you see the new video. Uh, Watcher and I found something even worse. <laughs> <laughs> do do should we, Scott? Do we have time? Because I have a I have a two minute sample of exactly that moment. I mean, you know, a let's two let's... minutes sample. Do you realize how long two minutes can be? If it's I know. Uh, oh, we oh, got hey. a new new member. Welcome, Joker. Joker. Yeah, nice. I like that. And just remember, if you're a member of the channel, you've got a like a monthly free member chat you can use. Uh, so just make sure you you know if if you ever think you might want to do a super chat or just get a little notice on your chat. Um, you can do that, uh, you know, it's down below. I can't remember exactly how to do it. Um, I'm looking at StreamYards and not YouTube, but, uh, um, so that's definitely something you can do with, with that, uh, five bucks. Uh, the chats, we are out of control in the chat. Anyway, carry on. Let's, (laughs) let's move on. Yes, please. Uh, Mike, sorry to, uh, drag your name through the mud, uh, you know, being associated with all this, uh, chicanery. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Hey, you know, I didn't get to say it in the, uh, pre-show. Got my head on my ass. Um, but I get to leave in about a half hour. So, uh, um, no. you know, I, I'm definitely going to be looking. Okay. I'll stay. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I will definitely Don't be go. listening to the show later on uh like i i think i mentioned the other day i i learned just as much as anything else when i when i listen to these fellows so uh uh, and normally it's it's how much of a moron uh i am how much of a degenerate watcher is and then you know and just you know it's it's the three wise men uh watchers all about the means it's it's hard to carry all that from time to time, <laughs> I, Scott, Scott, I, I, I am but a mirror. That's, that's right. <laughs> hey, gents, let me get this out of the way. I want to oh. toast the, gyp- the Gypsy King, six round knockout. Oh, uh, yeah. Dylan White, Wembley uh, today, the okay. uh, still the heavyweight champion of the world. So, okay, how He's was the fight? Man. Was it? 
I, I didn't. I, all I saw was the end. Yeah. Mm. We got another hey, we got a, member. Hey, oh, look at Glenn. Hey, 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 hey uh, Scott. Because well, I'm going to punch out. You want to give me my little my little blurb time? I, I want to make sure. Yeah, yeah uh, let's do let's do that up front. That way, just, just when, me, when, just me. Real when, quick. when it's time because for you to go, you you could just say goodbye and and, yeah, and dip yeah. out, or you could do the yeah. Irish goodbye where you just disappear. I might just do that. Who knows? I mean, something's going on, you know. Uh, but but I know there's a meme in there that uh, that uh, what's his name there? Watcher. Oh, I'll find hey, it. You'll get there. Uh, everyone probably already knows, or, or or if you knew, we're starting to do audio book stuff, moving towards an audio book, and that's what these are. These are little excerpts, like a chapter or a piece of a chapter. Uh, thrown up there, you know, the longest one's eight minutes, the shortest one's five minutes. Yeah. Uh, eventually, we'll string all those together into the full book. That's that's the general idea. Um, and and there, there you go. Hey. So, you know, I'm, I'm being real subtle, uh, being real subtle on these memes that, that the projectile <laughs> there is a very special projectile. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of really zoom in on it, look at it. But Told you, uh, Joe, size does matter. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's cold I really, outside. I was regretting the the rocket stunt. It was it's really was a bad idea. <laughs> it's, it, it's cold outside, so it, it kind of shrunk down a little bit. Yeah, um, the, the rockets were smaller because of the temperature for sure. That's right. I was um, in the pools. <laughs> it's snowing in Montana. Yeah, so. so I, I just want to I just want to read this real quick because because Mike's Mike is uh, Mike is far too humble. He, he got this great review, which is third book in the Warlock series brings all the technical intelligence collection techniques and spycraft from the first two books and combines that with tradecraft in a fast paced story with exciting, believable characters working in the shadows against rogue countries. Once you pick this up, you will not want to put it down. And, and, to, and to, I guess to bolt on to that. Um... Uh, Declar, I, I asked if you were from Scotland, um, if I'm saying that correctly, Declar, uh, which is really cool. Uh, that that uh, the guy that wrote that um, review is in the UK. Um, his name's Tim, uh, and, and he and I chatted quite a bit. Um, e even in chat, you know, you could tell he was British just from kind of humor. He was pretty cool. Anyway. Got a bunch wow. of books. If you if you like good books, go ahead, pick them up, read them. Uh, From the UK, not necessarily British. I mean, I wouldn't call a Scotsman British to save my life. Hey, he right. lives near Perth. But I mean, that just the general area, you know, it, it's just kind of cool. Anyway, that's enough of that. All right. Hey, I, I, by the way, I've been enjoying your me your memes now that uh, you're sharing them in our in our our DM chat. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually seeing them, so I've been trying to retweet them all as I see them. So, well, like I, I said, I I'm real I'm real subtle, so the next one that I put up is going to be you know fairly obvious. <laughs> see, I'm appreciated because I know the difference between uh, the people in the different parts of. Uh... <laughs> Oh boy! All right, so let's move on. Let's jump into the map. Uh, we've so you know the map has been interesting. There's a lot going on, but the map isn't. You're not seeing it so much in the map. Um, so let's start with uh, Kharkiv, and uh, of course, as always, Watcher's going to have some uh, some fun video for us to watch while we while we go through this. So Russian forces continue to block Kharkiv by uh, 
by fire with little offensive action. So essentially they're trying to fix the uh, uh, Ukrainian forces in and around Kharkiv. Uh, without much offensive action reported over the past 72 hours, further west, the Russians appear to have shifted their primary supply route from Belgrade to uh, the uh, Kupiansk uh, rail line. Um, because of that kind of, you know, the way they were threatening um, just to the southeast of, uh, of Kharkiv. Um, let's see. Oh, oops. So this one, this next one that I'm going to drop actually needs audio. It's a, it's an American volunteer. Oh, never mind. I must have got the cut that he's not talking in. You know, it's it's shocking that an American wouldn't want to just try to narrate his whole thing. You know, Americans he, won't shut the hell up. In the longer cut he was, he was just talking about how the area looked when he first got there versus how it is now. An American volunteer. And then this it, next one is also uh, pretty crazy. This is the Russians having claimed... Great. Give me a second. I'm going to get the other browser. But this is Russians having claimed to have captured a large uh, stock of ammo. I will say that 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 uh, him him driving around through there looked just like a movie set where you know, like movie sets, everything is mysteriously on fire in the, and you can't really see anything burning. It's just you know, fire on the ground. Very uh, true. Like that. Kind of mentioning all the whole thing has a movie set feel to it, but. What do I know? Well, but you know, I mean, he, he, the reason why is normally you see this after the fire is burnt out. So it's all ashes and everything. But in this case, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, they clearly have come in right after the uh, whatever attack, you know, and there's definitely some uh, just HE would nor wouldn't normally do this. So clearly they're mixing in some either some uh, white phosphorus or some other kind of. Uh, incendiary rounds to do exactly what is happening here though i do enjoy the fresh burnt smell that's always you know follows you around on a battlefield boy that's a that's a wonder so here's uh they claim this is uh in Kharkov, which I looked it up, and that's supposedly the uh, on Probably just the outskirts of Kharkiv. Yeah. Yeah, well, Kharkiv, it's right. actually the Russian spelling for Kharkiv. Ah, yeah. gotcha. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of ammo of a lot of different types. Check. You know... I I, I we had uh, we had a bunch of Iraqi ammo that we had uh, dug up for different cache sites and whatnot. The one that I thought was so funny that we found was like a seven seven nine two by what was it thirty one twenty nine something like that. But anyway, it was the you know you know the uh, German assault rifle, the STG forty four or whatever. It was the uh, it was the ammunition for STG. 34 and it was rush i mean it was the german manufactured ammo from the like the 
late 50s or something like that. I, I thought that was really kind of a funny find in Iraq. These are S-300 rockets we're looking at right here, right? The, no, those aren't those S-300. Those are grad. Huh? Yeah, grad. Yeah, those are grads. Yeah, for BM-21s. Artillery brass. Brass for days. Anyhow, just apparently that's been captured, or at least the Russians claim. For all we know, though, they could have gone into one of their own storehouses and taken the footage and claimed that it was in, in uh, Kharkov. So There we go. See, I knew the chat would keep you straight. 792 by 33, and then Andrew S. points out that there's videos of Syrian rebels uh, opening crates of STG-44. So I, I guess Syria was the recipient of a lot of German gear uh, directly after the war. I mean, even uh, when they were fighting the Israelis, um, there was, uh, you know, Panzer IVs and, and other, um, you know, German stuff being thrown into the fight. I, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, all right, so moving on, uh, the, the more interesting part of the map. So looking down, uh, down the way to Ism, Ism, of course, is the uh, city that's the kind of staging and, and the gateway uh, for the current Russian offensive heading to the south uh, and southeast. <clears throat> um, there's significant shelling uh, carried out by Russian forces along the front line. Russians attempted breakthroughs without success at uh, Zavodi and Vir Virnopila, um, which is southwest of uh, Izum. Fourth Brigade, who is, <coughs> excuse me, of doing the uh, Buka massacre. So that's that's who we got here. Let's let's see this video. Oh, yeah. Um, apparently they are they're in the area now. I got the wrong link and I can't find the right one. But this is supposed this is armor moving in the area. I'm gonna see if I can find the one that that was supposed to be. All right. Tanks are tanks, right? I mean, you know, they're all the same. They're all the same. Yeah. I mean, infantry fighting fighting vehicle is also just a tank. Totally well, the same. I, I, if it's a tank, it's just a tank. If it's got the little movie things on the ground, then it's a tank. Even <laughs> if it has the wheeled movie things, right? If it has a gun and... I, I just can't help but make that joke without visualizing that uh, the the reporter's identification card for... Uh... For well... Yeah. Well, shoot. I can't find it, but uh, what I had was an interview with a civilian. Uh, well, I mean, it, it was a, it was a military it was a military correspondent on the Ukrainian side that was interviewing a civilian, um, and the civilian had was one of the ones that had left Buka, and they were saying they were telling him essentially, "Hey, like we have positive identification at the Fourth Brigade, who is the one that's accused of uh, the the Buka stuff, um, has been annihilated near Izum." So I, I just thought it was an interesting clip. Yeah. I, I love how many times I think fourth brigade was annihilated back, uh, up North too. Like I, six I or seven like, times. Yeah. If you pay I, attention I, I, and you read the news reports, the entire Russian army has been killed four times over. Well, I, the one thing I will say is that every time I hear that a unit has been annihilated or destroyed or something like that, that, I mean, okay. So you probably, they had, they took some casualties and then, and then and retreated. Okay, oh, here so it is. That doesn't make somebody annihilated. 
uh, militia leaders, you know, with weird names like Motorola and, you know, uh, what was another one? Uh, Givy, he was another one. And anyway. Oh, and, you usually have to go to Africa for that kind of thing where, where you get like General Mosquito and then like the opposite side will like get like General Mosquito Spray. <laughs> doesn't very clever um yeah i mean so anyway i i think that was just i can't remember the the reason why they were called uh somali but yeah somali was gibby's unit that's right i knew that there was a connection there uh and then uh, it's so funny all of these warlords you know quote unquote warlord militia uh they got famous and also started gaining power, and they one by one were all mysteriously uh, assassinated. So I was confused just because of all the foreign the foreign units and that kind of stuff that have been brought into this on the Russian side. I was thinking maybe there really was a bunch of Somalians there. No, I, I, no. I, I was confused. Yeah, <laughs> these are not Somalians. <laughs> No, no, clearly. That's uh, I was looking at their skin color. It was like so, like what? What, what is happening? Could be outside of Minneapolis. You never know. <laughs> anyway, oh, so there we go. Uh, yes, the, the, the uh, with the spark with the sparkle effect. That was that was that was good. Hey, that one actually had two sides. It looks yeah, and like spark and, and sparkles. Watch. It, yeah. It's th this part is like metallic. What the heck? It's like tick TikTok sparkles. So. Ugh, gross. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it, but uh, didn't do nothing. Said it for me. You know, just saying. <laughs> All right. Should have been my tip off. You're right. I'm sorry. I just. I wouldn't say you're missing it, uh, Stan. No, I, I it, it, it registered. <laughs> um, all right, going down to Mariupol. So, uh, so, so Russian forces established control over Mariupol. However, Ukrainian defenders are still in the pockets uh, of resistance in the Azovstal uh, area. Um, and so, let's, let me just talk about this. So, based on all reports and you know everything that we've seen. The Azovstal complex is vast. It's a big maze of underground bunkers. So despite the fact that Russia has taken over Mariupol, there essentially you have rats in the subway that uh, they've decided that they're just going to leave there. Uh, they're going to block off that Azovstal complex and then just wait out the, uh, the, the Ukrainians. So what does that mean? That means there's essentially an estimated 1,500 to 5,000 uh, Russian troops and or civilians also still in there uh, and they continue to defend that Azovstal area uh, and so you know there's enough there's enough in there that they could hold on for weeks potentially depending on how they're they're fixed for supplies but eventually I think we're going to see a uh, you know eventually you know hunger and deprivation is going to get the the best of them uh, and this actually may end up being a, a pretty smart tactic on the part of the Russians, um, you know, who clearly, you know, we've already talked about manpower as a thing for them. Uh, so definitely this is one of those kind of things where uh, it, it may actually work out for the best. So, Joe, if you were if you were if you had to hide out in the Rouge River steel complex there in Detroit, how, how long do you think you could do that for weeks? I, I don't know. In the Rouge River one, 
Yeah. I could probably hide out there for six weeks as long as I had yeah. food. Yeah. As long as yeah. I had food. Yeah. And if I had a way to get more food, I could be there indefinitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you know what? A lot of people guys... ask. Uh... Oh, go ahead, Stan. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, these guys do turn into those Japanese soldiers on various islands throughout the Pacific after the war. I mean, is he roboting or is that me? Yeah, no, he's roboting. We'll see what happens. I am sorry. Yeah, yeah, you were okay. The video just reset for Ron and Joe. So, oh, yeah, you're back now. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Something you're just getting some lag in your internet. So, anyway, just go ahead and say what you were just saying, say it all over again because we didn't get it. No, I'm sorry. I, it, it wasn't all that pithy, but uh, the uh, you know these guys. This could be like Japanese soldiers on Pacific islands for you know years. I mean, my dad was in Korea when the Korean War was on, on Guam, and they were told that there were still guys on Guam in the Korean War that were didn't know that the war was over. So these guys could be entombed there forever. Well, yeah, well, you know, we took the last surrender sometime in the fifties from somebody in in in, yes. the, in the Philippines. I mean, seriously, I, I I don't know if you guys have seen seventies kind of in the seventies. One guy, yeah, oh, really, in, in, the, in, in one of the yeah. islands in the Philippines. Yep, it's a well, it, that that's it's a remarkable story. Actually, it's uh, um, one of my favorite podcasters. We've talked about him before, Dan Carlin, Hardcore History. He talks about it on his most recent thing. Does a really detailed of how he got found. It's pretty ridiculous, but. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but we've solved how the Moscova got sunk without without any um, any outside interference, guys. Like it's it's very clear that the tunnels led up under the Black Sea, and clearly it was an Azov fighter who who hit him with an with an in law. Well, um, someone uh, someone had asked in a gilded chat about what was the uh, it was well armed corgi. What was the unit? Now, watcher, I sent a patch to the uh, to the CFC chat. If you want to throw that up? Yeah, let me grab um, that. That's the uh, it's the 36 separate uh, Marine Infantry Brigade that is fighting in uh, in a in, uh, Mariupol. So uh, I just wanted to sh- throw up their patch. They deserve a little bit of a pat on the back. They've been doing fantastic with virtually nothing in supplies. Uh, they've been doing hit and runs and all that stuff. So these guys are really uh, carrying on the Marine tradition. And gosh, it's a Viking ship. What's more Marine than Vikings, right? Uh, so till Valhalla they are, brothers, they are, they, they, they are pretty, uh, they are pretty, <laughs> they that are patch pretty is on its way to me, by the way, uh, I've got one here from the 136th, but our 137th, I mean, but the, uh, that one is on its way to me too. So if they can and, get it out. And then while we're talking, this is, this video is just, uh, uh, I think it's an RT interview with Russian troops that are stationing themselves around the, the upper part of Astaval in order to seal it off. It's all in Russian though, so I'm not going to play audio. Is it just a stand-up, or is there any kind of like video to go with it? They kind of do a little bit of walking around, so you can see what it looks like on top of the Astaval facility now. But it's it's not much. It doesn't look like they want to go anywhere nearby. So, well, I I, I bet, with the exception of uh, these, uh, you, the Ukrainians are definitely going to snipe the shit out of them. That can only last for so long. I think this. Uh, as you know, as of stall uh, watch party that they're doing is going to turn into like the uh, like the premier, you know, <laughs> duty in and around Ukraine. Good rest and refit, you know, just being able to sit at a uh, position along this little river here 
I mean, you know, you couldn't ask for a more cush job for, you know, during a, a, a in a combat zone. If you are a Russian naval infantryman, right? Yeah. yeah, considering what these guys are about to walk into up here, it's the, the fighting in Zaporizh is looking every bit as, as nasty as the fighting was in Kherson the first few days. You know, I'd never heard this story. The last Waffen-SS unit left behind in Russia wasn't terminated until 1955. And so it was... Me. And the German army, the U.S. or sorry, yeah, the German army, the U.S. army, and the Russians all teamed up on that last uh, takeout mission, too. That was pretty cool. <laughs> where was this? Uh, yeah, where? Let, let me pull that one up. Uh, I saw dark docs on it because because fifty five was also the year that uh the uh, the Soviets finally released all the German POWs and. And only about 10% of the POWs that they captured actually made it home. So, um, and with that, my oh, I'm sure it was leave. just illness and disease, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> well, well true story. My, my, uh, my grandfather on my mother's side was captured by the Soviets in the, in the latter part of the fighting on the Eastern front. And, uh, he, uh, he lived until a couple of months just before the, uh, the release. So not a lot of love for the Soviets. Yeah, you know, that's that's the hard one for me. When I read East Front history, I have a hard time rooting for the for the Russians. Um, so I find myself in a very kind of ambiguous place and who to root for in some of these big battles, you know. Well, my, my, my grandfather, he was he was regular German army. He wasn't Waffen SS or uh, or SS or anything like that. But um, so anyways. Well, you know that I don't know if you've ever read it, but the um, uh, what is it? The Forgotten Soldier, that Guy Sayer, you know, uh, fictional biography um, that you know who knows what's true and who who knows what's not. But but man, just the things that they went through on the Eastern Front. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I just can't imagine, you know, and like this is it's like when I was having my my hard days in Iraq. That's the book I would read to be like, oh, this is so much worse than what we have <laughs> yeah at least you had green beans in iraq <laughs> well I, honestly we didn't have we didn't have that where i was at we were uh, kind of out in the sticks uh, we had to get uh chow marmited to us on a regular basis but uh that oh. being said uh you know it, it was still pretty cush my ac would blast so cold that in the middle of the summer and Stop. we were in old British buildings, you know, in the middle of the summer, I had to wear my uh, smoking jacket to, to stay warm. Uh, of course, it's 120 outside. So, but those old British buildings were very good at, uh, you know, keeping you cool. All right. Uh, let me finish up this, uh, this dumb old map. So looking at Zaporizhia area, Russian attacks uh, between uh, Vaslika and Haliopul, um, and then through uh, Novosilka are likely meant to fix Ukrainian forces from reinforcing the Donbass. We're not really seeing like just the kind of like the full on punch uh, in the south that we're seeing up north. Um, and so we got a, a, a KA-58 that was shot down, I guess. Several, KA actually. Several, actually. This one's got one and then I've got another video queued up after. But... Uh, this is pretty good shot. Looks like this was uh, taken out by a Ukrainian oh, yeah. uh, 
domestically produced uh, 9K38 Igla. All right. And then this is uh, just showing the two down. I think those are the two separate smoke plumes for the two that went down. All right. And I think this is the uh, the igla in question, but I might be wrong. I've never seen a tube like that before, though. Anyone? He's going to look down in a second. I'll pause. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I, I, I have to admit that my, uh, you know, outside of like SA sevens, you know, which are the old school ones, my uh, identification on uh, Russian manufactured man pads is not. Not yeah, great. that's that's nothing I've seen. So. Okay, here I've I've uh, I've actually got the I I was correct. That's the weapon, and uh, here's the wiki article. So here's the nine K thirty eight Igla. Yeah, it seems to look the same. Looks like they've been producing it since eighty three. Open that picture up right there. Okay, I mean it's just the angle that we're looking at. It. Yeah, it looks like a regular SA eighteen. I guess the I think the SA eighteen is the one with the ball on the front. Looks like this is the the more modernized version that they came out with in 04. Anyhow, yeah. Well, so there's that, and then we've got one more video. Okay. To to answer Dylan's question, no, not during the map section. I will not smile. So. (laughs) (laughs) And then this is just an interesting retrofit. So the Ukrainians had this R-18 quadcopter. Uh, octocopter that uh, they hadn't really introduced as a weapons mounted thing before the war that apparently they've developed these weapons mount in conjunction with some civilians and so this is one of those uh, dropping a bomb on a uh, on a BMG uh, the, the footage isn't super clear but there's our good effects I, you know what's funny is I remember you know just a few years ago we saw the video coming out of uh, Mosul and places like in and around uh, northern Iraq when the, the Iraqis were having some pretty nasty effects against uh, ISIS, um, and then ISIS you know resorted to taking forty millimeter grenades and modifying them in order to do this type of type of thing, and and some we saw you know footage of the. Uh, of them dropping it on the the Iraqis. So it looks like the projectile is whatever an RKG sixteen hundred is, and I'm going to search that for us right here. But I'm assuming that is just a some other type of grenade. Yeah, it's a hand grenade that they've modified. <clears throat> is it a holy hand grenade? No, but it's a Ukrainian domestically produced one, and it looks like they uh, it's an anti armor grenade. Cast thee thy holy hunger aid of Antioch. Thank you. Somebody gets it. And the number of thine counting shall be three. <laughs> All right. And I think uh, that's it for uh, Zaparitsa videos. Yep. And then finally, we have Kurson. Um, and so essentially, Kurson st- still remains contested. Um, we haven't seen any videos. Well, I wouldn't say it's contested. I would say Kherson is is occupied by the Russians, uh, but there is still the Ukrainians are pushing. Um, there, there haven't. I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen the Ukrainians make much uh, effort in this area, and and maybe that's just a a lack of a priority. Um, 
I think they're just trying to fix uh, Russian forces in and around the area so that they're not able to take any uh, uh, reinforcements out of Kursan and send them to the east. Uh, but we'll see. We are seeing uh, uh, continued Russian pushes, though, towards uh, back towards the direction of Kiriri uh, without success. Uh, and then all anecdotal reporting indicates that Russian units in Kursan remain uh, fairly uh, fairly damaged. So uh, we have seen some footage of the uh, FSB units uh, working in and around um, that area, uh, going after you know partisans or stay behind forces or whatever, and they have done some some weapon seizures. But you know, with everybody using the same guns uh, in that neck of the woods, it's really hard to determine what seizures are real and which ones are 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 basically manufactured by the russians in order to show some sort of you know hey look look what we're doing so because i know even if i didn't catch any i would definitely do something like that uh if i were them just to show progress hey uh esper to answer your question let me go back and look i wasn't actually paying attention to the train tracks um i don't know if they're damaged or not I would assume so, just given the area that they're at. I was going to say, you don't seem damaged in any of these shots, but that doesn't mean down a mile down the line. It's not... Yeah, so, but this is this is just showing a small column that got ambushed in the, the Kirsten Oblast. They, I, it seems like when they wander too far outside of the city, they are susceptible to ambush, but it's not a consistent thing. And as you can see in this area, it's flat as a pancake, and there's not a whole lot of ground cover <laughs> nope there's nowhere to hide <laughs> so the, these vehicles are right out in the open um and then this is just more video of continuing protests that seem to happen daily inside of kirsten itself okay so these these are recent then yeah this was today actually just a few hours ago mm. or that's when it was posted anyways okay i mean you know i'll be honest with you it's, Despite the uh, despite this, you know the Russians aren't being overly aggressive, you know, or anything like that. I think maybe they've they've decided that it's easier to just kind of give them a, a space to to vent. And this has to know. be false. It has to be fake news because I was told that the Russians are committing a genocide and are indiscriminately killing everyone. I was told they were orcs. So, yeah, I was I mean, disappointed this... to find out that they aren't, in fact, orakai from. Uh, the Lord of the Rings. Only the VDV are. You know, I've actually I've got a picture of an Urukai. Let's of see if course I can you find can. that. Well, you, well you you keep talking. I'll see if I can find it. So, uh, I mean, it, I, I'll be honest with you, Joe. I mean, it, it does make sense. I mean, if we're if we're talking just completely uh, without our tongues in our cheek, it does make sense for the Russians to allow this to occur. Um, at some level, just because then you're able to sit there and collect on their cell phones, you're able to see oh, who's turning out. You, you, this is my point is about the media onslaught that says that they're just mowing these people down. Right. And I'm not. not I, I, and I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I, I've already baked that into almost all of my analysis. <laughs> right. and, and, and so it's just nice to be able to actually see, like, I, you know, this is what I, 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 when I see this video, this is real reporting, right? This is really and actually, what's happening. I'm proud of these people, right? So it's one thing to 
to, uh, to, to, to be the victim and stay in your home. It's another thing to say, all right, so the Russians are here. Everyone says they're killing us all. But I'm going to the public square anyway, and I'm taking my Ukrainian flag. And, and, and every one of these people had to have decided that morning that live or die, I'm going down there and I'm waving this flag today. So, so God bless them and, and power to them. Keep at it. Well, and here's the thing I'd like to note. I mean, if you compare this city to, say, Mariupol, this very well could have been Mariupol as well. But, but they, they essentially pulled out uh, and, and left the city to the Russians. Um, and, and so because of that, the city is now intact. So, right. uh, you know, I have to wonder if sometimes, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze on fighting for every inch of every one of these cities. You know, I understand you notice, the. Uh, uh, well, you notice those vehicles. I'm sorry, it just it popped in my head. I got to say it. I'm old. Uh, those those Russian vehicles that the that the control force troops arrived in are yeah. Russian military police vehicles. You can tell by the red stripe yeah. down the side. So the Rosgardia militarized police uh, patrolling that. So so and I wasn't going to bring this up, but we we've gotten pretty into this now, and I'll see if I can find it. But in Kherson, there's actually another event that happened today. In that a um, a pro-Russian candidate person who was still in the city and who had been collaborating with the um, the, the Russians uh, was assassinated in his car a few days ago, and and uh, you can't see him because his windows are tinted, but it it like basically it's a bunch of different calibers and it looks like a bunch of different assailants came up and all shot him in his car when he tried to get out of his car in the morning. Um, so yeah, I mean like, it's just like Joe and I were saying in the beginning, uh, if you're ever in a situation like this, be careful in your collaboration. Cause it, Take uh, a favor and scroll up to who wrote that tweet. I want to see who wrote the tweet. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, okay. God. All right. This one. Yeah. All right. Well, well, the problem I'm seeing, though, is that a lot of Western media are writing things like collaboration can be costly. And they're calling certain groups of people in America collaborators. So, no, it's true. I'm just throwing well, that out. But, but if you, it's but true. If you look, I was just you, talking if about. If you look oh. at if that Vice Squad, was it Vice Squad 24? Yeah. 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 No, no. It, these guys it, are heavily it's, tinted. It's, yeah. It's, it's, this is not objective. No, it's right. not. Uh, but this isn't the only source I found it. This was just the first video that popped up when I when I was trying to find it quickly for the show. Um, the, the the video has gone around several different news agencies. I, all um, I would say is that is that showing up into town square day after day, good chance for facial recognition imprints. That's so. That, so that's exactly what I was going towards. The when I was saying that. I could absolutely see that Russia is letting this happen so that they can kind of collect on that on who shows up. And it also gives them a, you know, if they can get good estimates of the size of the crowd, they can kind of gauge what the support level they may have in the town is. I mean, you know, the little things like that. Also, there's a lot of cell phone traffic going on um, to collect on. And then you maybe identify some of your uh, your key leaders. Hey, Romeo, great question in the chat that we didn't cover in the thing. Yes, there was proof of life from uh, from Coach Red Pill, Mr. Goya. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I is, wonder who who predicted that. Yeah, I, I don't think it ended up being in the way that he predicted, but I could be wrong. No, yeah, he I'm was just, so. Yeah, he seemed exactly. rattled. 
he seemed like he he seemed like he really did get picked up and got shook around yeah, to me. But, but that's part of his whole shtick, though. It's been a part of his whole shtick since this began, right? Well, I mean, he, like they've been knocking on his door from day one. I, I just I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not necessarily behind Joe. It. Joe, I I. My comment on this was you, when you go to your Barnes and Noble in about six months, Gon, Gonzalo's table is going to be right next to Malcolm Nance's table, and they're both going to be <laughs> oh. signing books for whomever. It's about that time, I, Malcolm see, Nance not, saved him from the interrogation chamber. Exactly. I'm, see, and I'm, I'm not going to argue with you about that either, because I think one way or the other, that's that's just a part of our culture now is capitalizing on the, the anything that happens, essentially. Now, 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 Joe, you're not being a you're not being a proficient uh, Russia shill by uh, you, now. You're not supposed to say anything bad about Coach Redpill because he's he's on our he's on our side, the Russian shill side. So we're supposed to say know, this is a tragedy. No, 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 what happened. no, no, no. He's 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 Mossad. He's Mossad right. today. Yeah. You're Mossad today. That's right. You're, you're playing all, all sides idea. against the middle. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So that that pretty much closes out the map segment. I I just wanted to uh, to get us through that. Um, definitely, it's always the map is always fun, despite what Stan says, because it, it, you never know what we're going to end up talking about with it. Look at look at Ron. Well, okay. So as long as Declare is is prompting, I'll just say why do I think that? Why do I actually think he got picked up? Because he did not say very much about it, and because when he goes into stuff about that, generally he goes into excruciating detail about all kinds of stuff, and he really badly did not want to talk about it. He just wanted to say, hey, I'm safe, and I, I got picked up, and that was it. I haven't yeah, seen a I mean, single person released by the Ukrainians who didn't have bruises on them. So. Well, so so that's just it, right? They, if if you're going to release somebody you know is going to go right back to the cameras, does it make it, you know... Yeah, most of them know, aren't Western high-value targets with access to multiple different Anti-Ukrainian... Anti you know, so the fact that they let him go at all, I think, is just shows that, that the Ukrainians aren't the boogeymen, you know, that he made them out to be. But they're also not the church, uh, you know, mice that 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 some in the media say they are. So it's yeah, just kind picking of up, a, uh, picking up journalists is never a good way to show that you're defending democracy. So. I, yeah. I don't know, but see, that's just it. I don't know that I would call him. He's a journalist the way Sean Hannity's a journalist. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. I, oh, I, that. Oh, hey, I, I now, totally now that's that. low, even for Coach Red, Red Pill. Ouch. I totally get that. But picking up a guy on the word of a Western journalist that the guy's a spy. Come on. Well, I, I, I think I think the way that they probably would word it is that they paid him a visit and investigated his electronics. And I think they probably I, held him while they did it too. I, 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 I bet. Think, I bet they, I, is this I is this on? Is this on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of, a lot of ways to compel. A lot of ways to compel people to talk about things without uh, took, putting. I, he took a vacation face. to Turkey, came back in country, played it off. <laughs> Whatever. He may have taken a vacation in Russia. All right. Moving on, the coach I mean, red pill is I, not I, worth I, our time like this. I have one request for the chat, uh, Hunch. I need a I need a quick movie review on the Northman. If you can just give us a blurb on the chat as to whether it's worth seeing or not. Oh, so I yeah, have not no seen. Spoiler it, alert! I, I did watch the uh, I did watch Friday Night Tights yesterday, and those guys 
who have been very tough on everything coming out of Hollywood these days, they all loved it to a man. So, okay. you know, so it's a, it's, it's got some, you know, even um, Chris Gore. I don't know if you guys remember Chris Gore from Film Threat back in the day. He's, uh, he is, he is on our side in the culture war. Um, he said nice things about it as well, and it makes me wonder if uh, that if because those people say nice things about a movie, Hollywood will soon cancel the uh, people who made that movie, and you know. Um, <laughs> all right, let's see. There you go. Kang the Unbreaded says Northman is good. Just saw it today. Uh, you know what? There, there is one more bit we could bring up. I'm going to find it in the fusion chat. But uh, do we want to talk about the Ukrainian news that happened on the domestic front? This, uh, this very interesting protest that happened. I'm unaware. Ah, uh, so here we are in Lower Manhattan, as the uh, the people of the area chant Azov, Azov. But not only Azov. National Guard, National Guard of Ukraine, Polizia. So, yeah. The, uh, the anti fascists are all about the fascists. No, I'm so no confused. Nazis, no, no Nazis were harmed in the making of this video. So. <laughs> I'm so confused. So are they. So are they. <laughs> it's you totally further them. proof that, that they're the real Nazis. Just say it. Do they have whiplash, I wonder? <laughs> I think irony is a concept that is totally lost on this generation and these people here. They're totally influenced and, and directed oh. by social media who influencers who have zero clue themselves. Back up in that one video, I thought I saw an actual Nazi flag back there, but I could be wrong. Let's scan the crowd, There's shall a black we? Black flag. Oh no, that's not. I, I don't know what that black flag is. Oh, it looks like it's for the hotel. I think that's that's for like yeah. the hotel or whatever. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the hotel Taliban. Zooming out. It, it's it's ISIS. Don't worry. It's <laughs> the hotel ISIS. It did kind of remind me of an ISIS flag with the black and the. But ironically, Al Qaeda is trying to find transport to get from Syria to Ukraine to enter the fight on the Ukrainian side. All news from. They're trying to rehab their image. I mean, I... <laughs> they got all this gear they want to use. I mean, come on. You know, I, I've heard they've also hired. I, I heard they've also hired Perkins Coie for uh, for legal concerns. <laughs> don't don't get me started on it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's here's a typical millennial. She's got her cup of Starbucks, and she's all about virtue signaling, and she's going to repeat whatever little meme she's heard. And then hand her a map and say, show me Ukraine. Can't do it. Yeah. Well, for extra credit, show me Maripol. So to be clear, our, our guy right here, even though we can't hear it very well, is, is literally confronting these people individually about, so you know they're really Nazis, right? Like, no, like, no, they're, no, seriously, here's some pictures. They're actual Nazis. <laughs> Well, this is a state senator, so you know what the level of political discourse is going to be there. So. <laughs> I, I think there was a backhanded slap in the ass on that one. <laughs> I don't think there was back, anything backhanded about it at all. <laughs> oh, 
Where's my yard sides? Where's my yard They should ask these people what Azov's position is on LGBTQ rights. That's an interesting question. Well, I bet you weren't like Especially when they get to the third or fourth story. Of height, <laughs> exactly. And they drop them off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's well, thank you, Andrew S. Is there a union for you guys who want to be in the state senate? I mean, you all sort of look alike. I mean, it's uh, oh man, Stan is <laughs> just bringing it tonight. Knives I'm... out. No, today, that's, that's all right. I mean, fine. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll break out the uh, <clears throat> you know, all right, bring okay. it, bring it. <laughs> Where's the, the laser eyes coming out? Oh, all right. <laughs> so, you know, this is, uh, well, I mean, this is not what I'd call a direct segue, but, you know, this allows us to really kind of. Please go. You know, Let's just go. Come on. Focus on. Uh, let's focus on what we're really here to talk about. And that's Russia, Russia, Russia. Um, I love that meme, by the way, the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha with, with Russia, Russia, Russia. Yeah, we're over protesting. It. We're protesting. Oh, <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's nice that the devil is able to take his uh, pitchfork and just pr- spray paint it yellow, and, and he's all good to go now. I'll tell that you, I saw super... this at the Dollar Tree, and I said, I have to have this for the show. Right. It yeah. was a super smooth segue, Scott. Oh, <laughs> segue. <laughs> I get it. I see what you did there. I'm not nearly the boomer you think I am. <laughs> You know, I just remember people saying that when the Segway comes, like, do you remember before it came out, they were making this, oh my God, this amazing invention is going to come out, it's going to change the world. And then they said, I remember, I think cities will be designed in the future around the Segway. I just, I just, I can't ever bring up that invention without pointing out once again, that the man who invented it not only got his business stolen out from under him because he decided to do business in China and gave them all of his IP. He then very shortly afterwards died by falling off a cliff because he was riding his Segway on a hiking trail. That's true. Yes, it is. That's the story the Chinese are telling. (laughs) <laughs> you know I, I you know any kind of electric you know any you know electronic vehicle i will always you know worry that i will be driving down the street in it and then it will just ex- suddenly accelerate and then hit something and burst into flames you know with the doors locked and me that, trapped inside that's a, that's a tesla you're thinking of a tesla well, I'm thinking. Well, I, if I remember correctly, it was a Prius that uh, did it to the what's his name that that the good old boy who wrote that article, uh, you know, in the Rolling Stone. Oh, and it was uh, it was a series of electric supercars that did it to poor uh, poor Hammond from Top Gear. Yeah, yeah, the Riven. You know what? That was an amazing accident. Uh, oh. that, that that's hard to watch. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, inappropriate, unrelated to anything. But I mean that that was that was. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I love the show, but that was uh, whoo, that was a little uh, tough. <laughs> um, moving on. So we're segueing to what now? Russia, <laughs> Russia, so, Russia, Russia. What what I want to so it's appropriate that we look at the map while we say this, right? So I want to I want to kind of help our viewers understand what Russia wants. 
in in the midterm, maybe we could call it. Um, now we've talked extensively before. Well, we think they want the bridge to to Transnistria. We think they want the entire southern coast of Ukraine, um, and we also think they want a, a, a good percentage of of the of the land east of the uh, Dnieper River. Um, and so to that aims, I mean, so that's there are some Russian Russian military action that's that's helping right now to 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 get those aims. But, you know, what then? Right. So uh, and, you know, Stan, we've talked about, well, this may end up being one of those kind of things. They eat what they can digest at this moment and then pause. And then it, that pause may even be, you know, many months and then just do part two and then and then get the. Uh, uh, the next uh, bit. Oh, that's a dirty roofer shutting me up right in my, my tracks. Uh, for $10. So let me get this straight. Ukraine has Chechens, Russians, fascists, anarchists, Al-Qaeda, Brits, U.S., etc. fighting for them. Um, their army ain't Pokemon. You don't need one of everything to succeed. Hey, hey, <laughs> diversity is our strength, Hunch. Remember. Remember. <laughs> well, yeah, just, I, I, I don't think there's any Chechens on the Ukrainian side. There, um, amazingly, are there? there are. Yeah, there are, there it's are. crazy. But the, these are the these are the Islamist Chechens who uh, who got out of Georgia and, and and the Caucasus in order to survive. But then they started fighting for the uh, Ukrainians on the side uh, of of the Ukraine government during the uh, 2014 2015 time frame. So. It's amazing that they can extend any level of trust in any way to uh, Chechen fighters in any of their units, let alone let them form. Do they have their own unit? I mean, is yeah, there, yeah, they they have their own units. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think these guys are like the Chechen mob that ran the rat lines into you know Georgia, which then led into you know the caucuses but once that was kind of played out in the 2000s after you know the well, suppression of dagestan and all that stuff happened i think uh i think they just kind of set up shop and and that's you know they're just well, natural I, uh, patriots this is just watchers' observations of what i've seen from browsing the web but uh it looks to me like there's actually multiple different groups of them and, and they came in different times so there's there's a group that scott's talking about and then there's another more recent group that just appears to be a bunch of political dissidents against kadyrov that uh all did this like right like shortly before the war kicked off kate came over in a massive group with all their equipment and but, but you do you do just they robot haven't gotten it uh-oh you haven't got. They haven't gotten their price yet from the Russians. I mean, you understand that, right? I mean, that, that this is, this is open bids um, as it relates to whatever loyalty this week they're going to have versus versus next week. So, yeah, yeah I, you, you know, Zelensky's yeah. got it. I, I'm sure. I'm sure that, that uh, <laughs> Zelensky will figure it out. So, well, you know, that's that's the thing. I mean, in this neck of the wood, everybody's got a price tag, right? been that way for 5,000 years. It's not going to change now. Hunt also says Hada put etc. The the SC would uh, be would have been huge. I don't know. I don't get that. Trans well, our, 
Well Arm Corgi says Chechen combat videos are almost as good as Somalian combat videos and Well Arm Corgi, I will I will argue that with you all day. They're better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they're so much better. I'm telling you, when you when you roll into combat with your own camera crew, I mean, seriously, just for the IG uh, likes. Well, we call that a SEAL team in the U.S. military. <laughs> oh, God's <laughs> fired. Where's Ian uh, when you need him? I was going to say, uh, good thing heli- Ian's not here. Helicopter down. Helicopter down. Yes. Well, come on. I mean, every SEAL platoon has at least one literary agent assigned. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm not touching that one with a ten foot pole. Well, I'm I I, I will just real quick. It, I I heard that's not true. I it's they've just they've just made the literary agent a part of the separations process. It's like the Zompoler, right? Yeah. So there's yeah. yeah. <laughs> How could we write this into a movie? Well, I like well on Corey is talking about the new generation of Chechens. Chechens are all about the Instagram. Well, I mean, definitely the uh, ru- the ones on the Russian side are. I mean, they are they are definitely uh, making a splash. I have but, to say this TikTok. If you want to see the I most, I don't think any ad revenue. <laughs> they probably do, if especially on TikTok because it's run by the Chinese. That's and that's Here's why. If I go on Instagram and I post a video of me shoving somebody to protest, I'm going to get banned. Literally killing people in the street, and they're not getting banned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need to wear the right kind of T-shirt when you push them. Joe, I was just saying, all we got to do is grow full Chechen beards. Like that's, And then we get away with anything. Well, you already have a full Chechen beard, though. Uh, I need another, like, eight inches. I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that. Uh, I I tell you, you I mean, you put no, a like target that. on your back uh, when you when you when you get into that memetic territory like that. There, it's wrong. true. All I'm saying is that other guy's beard looked like an explosion on his face, and it went like halfway down his chest. Mine, mine's only like neck beard territory. Neck beard. You being a there neck beard is so much better. It it, it is. <laughs> it is. I, I, you know, Ron, I feel exactly the same. I'm just choosing to laugh. I'm you know, not I, waiting for us to segue to what we're really here for, you know, because well, the stands of our radio are fashion review. No, no. Well, but so, specifically, what what do they want past Ukraine, guys? Like, oh, look what? at look at you trying to segue now that you've derailed the entire now, uh, you conversation. Derailed us. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> It's true. All right. All right. So, uh, so really what we're looking so we've talked about what they want in the short term, and that's the kind of the specific land areas uh, within the borders. Now, I mean, I'm sure that if they could take the whole country, they would do it. But, you know, I clearly at this point, that's not in the realm of possibility. So what do they want? Well, we've identified Donbass region and the entire southern coast as, as the things that they want most in this now. Let's assume they get it. Let's assume that they don't, because ultimately it doesn't matter. What they are going to want to do is hold whatever they've got today. Um, all right. So, guys, let's talk about, you know, the, the day the day the war stops, right? And uh, Russia says, we're ready to do a comprehensive deal to put this war behind us. Oh, by the way, we're not giving up a, an inch of land. Um, and then that kind of sets the table. 
I'm going to regret uh, this. Uh, well, real quick, before we but so hold a second, before, before, hold a second, before we jump into Hunt's Dirty Roof for five dollars, says Joe, throw on a wig, your mankini, and as off pants, and you can sh shove anyone. Okay. <laughs> you guys want to get a room or what? I mean, uh, <laughs> you can you can play with your little rockets all day long. All right, uh, all right. Let all me right, come Sam. back. Nobody come said back my rocket was little. <laughs> Uh, I, okay, no, you have uh, a large uh, rocket, but you have small hands. What do I know? Calm, calm down, Kim. Calm down. <laughs> um, I was in the pool. <laughs> Stan, go. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I. At I least leave some prayers. Well, you see. know. It, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You know, it's morning here, but I'm gonna say that you've all just been drinking. So, uh, so I'm about to here's, start. Yeah. I, here's I will say. My... I, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Just... No, you go ahead, Stan. Yours is probably more intelligent. Than I, mine. I was gonna say that I, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that there's gonna be a big comprehensive um, agreement on this. Um, if you look at the pattern of frozen conflicts in which Russian forces have been involved uh, from time to time, Abkhazia, Ossetia, um, their role in the Karabakh, um, the, what happened with uh, the 2014 issues in, in uh, Donetsk, uh, and, and even and Crimea doesn't even have a ceasefire. But, but I think that this will get, this will become another frozen conflict with no definitive outcome. Uh, it'll be, the can will get kicked down the road with an agreement that's really a ceasefire agreement named after some Eastern European city that nobody knows where it is, like Minsk. Uh, and, and, and they're going to bide their time. You know, they're not giving up any ground uh, that they've taken. They can't do that for uh, domestic political reasons. And so they're going to have to pummel the Ukrainians into a standstill once they've, once they've achieved everything they think they can achieve in this iteration. And then they're going to play for time. And then oil's going to go down to 80 bucks. But the next time it goes over 100, it's back on. So, All right. So yeah. I, I, I want to drop the next what if. And it's something that we've only just kind of hinted at. We've, we've talked recently about them flying, uh, saying that if if the any of these Baltic states join, they're going to fly nukes into uh, um, Kaliningrad. And they're also going to move them up into the border of Belarus. Um what else is their play? Is that it? Are, are they going to move them uh, a couple, a thousand kilometers closer to the West? And then that's, that's the, the whole extent of their punishment. Join what, what? you, well, NATO, what, what? they're already has, part of NATO. Uh, well, it's Finland and Sweden. Oh, are both okay. Well, you were, it. you were pointing to the Baltic States. Oh and... yeah. Sorry. I, I meant that these are the ones who are threatened when that happens. I was thinking ahead of myself. Sorry about that. There's going to be a shift in gears at some point, and, and I'll go out on a limb, and I'll, I'll say that it'll be December of this year when the, the fighting, the weather doesn't, is not conducive to any sort of fighting in that in that part of the in that part of the world. Uh, there's going to be a shift that goes on in, in terms of in terms of the emphasis that's going to go on from the Russian side, and it's going to become a political exercise. It's also going to continue to be a, a subversion exercise. Um, and it's going to be aimed at at the at the, uh, the Baltic states, and, um, and and probably Finland, because I don't know what the timeline is for Finland to 
have a NATO accession, I guess it's going to be accelerated. But it's not going to be without some sort of action there to sort of destabilize uh, the political process in Finland uh, from Russia's perspective. I'll pull that up now to see what the, the newest news on what that timeline is because it changes it's constantly. It's looking like July or June. And for the yeah. record, chat has officially driven me to drink. <laughs> and, and just real quick, for let me just stipulate f uh, for the remainder of this kind of speculation about what we're looking at with Russia. Um, let's assume that China and the rest of the world stay sane and nothing crazy happens that would essentially completely derail this process because if China invades Taiwan, all bets are off and nobody's going to give a shit about Ukraine, literally, uh, at that point. Um, hold on a second. Catherine Smith for $10. Non-military, but uh, how pissed are you to discover the U.S. strategic oil reserves going to Europe and the EU pushing hard for a full oil embargo? Yeah, I thought that was an interesting, I, you know, when I, when I heard the, the destination of our oil reserves... Um, that made me scratch my head. And I don't know if anybody else has a thought, but I bet Stan probably has the most cogent thought on it. I, I was I was a little more exercised than scratching my head. I I, um, I, I, I say think, I I think this I think this is a, a a travesty to be quite honest in in terms of us we we're we're diminishing our 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 military stocks across the board. You don't have to take my word for it. They publish it in the newspaper. We're we're diminishing our strategic petroleum reserve uh, to try to to try to bait the Europeans to to uh, drop Russian oil and gas. Um, we're not allowing real drilling. Uh, we've we've created some sort of fairy tale access of of uh, new new leases on on on, on economic terms, and and we're being groomed. Uh, and I'm, you're going to start hearing this from. Uh, in, not in the traditional sort of pedophile grooming, but we, the American people, are being groomed as it relates to our own security, both military and economic yes. uh, aspects of this. And, 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 and it is relentless. It is absolutely relentless. I like that. That's actually quite good. I do like um, that. Yeah, and, and, and most people just don't see it going on. Uh, well, and, and that's it. Ron, I, I want to take Stan's thing a step further. Uh, we're being groomed to expect food shortages and that that's just a new normal. Right. Um, you go to the grocery store now and, and you can only buy two things of pasta, two things of pasta sauce. Um, and, and the thing is, is that the, the, the average normie here in America thinks ah, this is a temporary passing thing. They're telling you it's not and it's not going to be. And you're being groomed to accept a world order where we're a third world country. Right. Well, and how, and yeah, how, how temporary is is two years? Right. I mean, we've already gone exactly. through this for two years. Exactly. And so it's just it, it troubles me. And, and, and I'm on the same page as Stan is this that that we should never be normalizing or allowing the normalization of this here in America. Absolutely not. Well, and I, I want to get a little gloomier and then go a little brighter, but uh, to, to the gloomier, if you think that after two more years of this, we're just going to be able to flip a switch and everything's going to get better. I, I, I've got news for you, folks. Uh, things are about to get weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, to, to get a little brighter, it, they can always get better. We're, we're definitely, I'll put it to you this way, we're definitely not at rock bottom. Uh, so, you know, count your blessings. 
we're not we're not at rock bottom, but you can see rock bottom here, uh, or at least the pathway to rock bottom. You, uh, yeah, you you sure can, but uh, count your blessings and your ammo. And if, if you can't, then you're really not paying attention. Well, so here's here's I'll, I'll use this as the kind of the exit point for this, and, and feel free to comment on it before we jump back into Russia. But uh, I mean, you know, we, we've been going through this conditioning for the last two years. Um, you know, grooming definitely is another way to put it. I like to I like to think grooming is something that they're doing in the sex world, but conditioning is something you do in the environment, right? Uh, you get people used to a, a particular condition and then they stop noticing it, right? It's the whole frog, you know, boiling the water gently so the frog doesn't jump out versus turning it up hot. Um, and I, I, I mean, guys like us who have a little bit on the ball and are, are aware of what's going on in the world, we don't see the world getting better. We see the world getting worse. I mean, we're not black-pilled here particularly um, because we have hope for uh, for continued existence within the you know North America, um, but you know it's not getting better; it's getting worse. And so this conditioning, I think, will allow you know potentially to ease into worse conditions without uh, the populace you know jumping out of their their ass. Um, anyway, before I let you guys comment on that. John Steele for 10. Remember, it's always darkest before it goes completely black. Yes. <laughs> um, what do you guys think about that? I, you know, I'm trying not to be too negative here, but, uh, you know, it's not. Well, I think that in all honesty, until people start realizing how bad it actually is, we have to, we have to be a little bit negative to wake people up. Um, yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a long ways from now. Uh, we need to understand where we are now and, and, and force change, whether it's at the ballot box or wherever. Um, people need to start taking action, just accepting it and, and accepting the narrative that this is normal needs to end. Yeah. And well, I, I want to, I want to piggyback. Are, are and, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I just want to piggyback real quick and say, and, and to be clear, folks, you've still got to fight like hell because we're not even clear at this point, whether the light at the end of the tunnel is, is the end or an oncoming train. So, <laughs> Yeah. Wait until we talk South Africa, by the way. <laughs> Come on. Well, you can only doom pill one uh, run region of the world at a time. Ron, what you got? Well, I just want to remind everybody that, um, you know, going, you know, I'm, I, I'm a big historian kind of guy. So in the thirties, Winston Churchill was the lone voice in the wilderness. And no, I'm not comparing any of us to Winston Churchill, but he was the lone voice in the wilderness or the, the, probably the best known voice in the wilderness uh, talking about the, the rise and th threat of fascism and Nazism and um, the politicians that um, were throughout the world, the Western European politicians, U S politicians ignored, ignored that warning uh, to their own detriment. And um, I, I seriously think we're in, in that sort of a situation now where, you know, we're, we're, we, we can see the, uh, what's going on beyond the immediate impacts here and, and people aren't listening. And, and until it happens, I mean, until people go to the grocery store and suddenly find out that why are there policemen guarding, guarding the Safeway, the Albertsons or the Piggly Wiggly or whatever the supermarket chain is where you all live. And why are we only allowed to get one of this and one of that and, 
and having an escort through the supermarket and why do we have all these shortages i mean it's it's going to come folks and if you're not prepared not just with your possessions you know as, as joe likes to talk about but you also have to be prepared mentally you're going to have to adapt quickly to a whole new way of thinking and a new way of uh coping with what's going to happen so anyways i'm rambling yeah, I, I i just want to end this series of darkness with this guys uh, if the situation were hopeless, their propaganda would be unnecessary. So, I, I you know, the one thing, you know, I, I, I kind of am in agreement with Ron. Um, I will say the nice thing about it is even normies are starting to get turned on to things like, maybe I need to have two or three or four weeks of food, you know, stacked up. Uh, you know, this is not becoming such a crazy idea. You know, so there is hope. Uh, that being said, uh... <laughs> well, for those of you who live in in cities, any anything ten thousand people or over, you you better have an escape plan. You better have somebody that you know that lives in a rural area that's willing to uh, put you up or you know give you a, a small piece of land where you can you can build your your hovel, your home, and uh, and survive. Otherwise. Living in the cities, you're doomed. I'm sorry. If only we knew um, someone who wrote a series of books about this. I do. I know Clay Martin really well. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. Sorry, Joe. Corgi for four ninety nine says, uh, with the leadership we have, the light is... Feel the love, well, brother. Feel the love. Well, well on Corgi for four ninety nine says, with the leadership we have, the light is an oncoming train. Well, possible. <laughs> yeah that oh boy all right and so moving on <laughs> back to back to russia so i mean so stan i think your point that there isn't gonna be a you know a, a an all-encompassing deal um i think that's that's well taken i think what do you do you, so do you think they kind of sue for peace at current lines at at some point and then you know, kind of start working it as a as a transactional relationship from there, uh, or, or what do you what do you, how do you think this rolls into an, an actual post war program? And Stan disappears completely. Ron, what do you think? You're you're muted. Yeah, I know. I sorry. I'm doing three things at once and not doing any of them well. Um, no, I don't. I I think it's in the interests of everybody that's doing whatever they're, I mean, the, the powers that be the, uh, you know, the, the politicians, the leaderships of, of all the Western nations, the NATO, NATO Alliance, whatever they um, it's not in their interest to, to ha have a, a, even a ceasefire or an armistice as Stan suggests, which it would actually be in the best interest. I think it's in every, their interest to keep this conflict going at, what do we have now? Like a low simmer maybe and with occasional flashes of, of, of hotness, but there's, there's not going to be a, a, a ceasefire. It's going to keep going until, until there's a change of leadership and a, and a realization that, that we keep, we keep stoking these fires. Eventually somebody's going to make a bad, a really bad decision that there's no coming back from. And then we're going to all wonder like, what the hell are we doing here? And why are we, and why are we in this situation? Yeah, I, you know, that's, we talked about that. We touched on that, that topic of like, do, does NATO benefit to having 
Russia continuously engaged in act in active combat. Um, you know, clearly, I don't think that's in the interest of the Ukrainians. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that doesn't mean the <laughs> NATO never said they had Ukraine's best interest at heart. They just had Ukraine's interest at heart while also thinking about their own. Stand- I just keep thinking that that it, it's really China that's somehow pulling the levers here because they're the ones that are going to benefit from a weakened Russia and a weakened Western alliance. And a weakened dollar and a, a worn out uh, uh, armory on everybody's side if they decide they want to, quote, take back ancient territorial lands. Well, I mean, I think I think the the point about war stocks that Stan was making, you know, about just it's not just the oil; it's all of our war stocks. You know, it's the javelins. It's the, you know, yeah, they're tooling up to make seven thousand javelins a week, but that they're they're not they're not there yet, um, and that's still going to be some time, both manpower and resources. Evidently, they've got a priority, uh, some sort of a national defense priority placed upon. Uh, Raytheon to allow them to go to the front of the line for chips and things like that for things like the Javelin but uh, you know that just kind of calls into question you know and it kind of gets to Ron your point about like well who's pulling the levers who benefits from having the US kind of focused and you know depleted you know in one area hell we haven't even started fighting the war and we're potentially already depleting war stocks prior to uh, to the start of the war, right? I mean, so, mm-hmm. you know, who benefits there? Um, well, yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, c- I can only think of one one nation that has, uh, <clears throat> it's basically uh, been, uh, you know, playing its cards close to the vest, um, you know, saying what little, saying very little about the situation and um, just, just observing and watching, you know, in the meantime, as you say, we're depleting our war stocks, coming, you know, taking taking things from our inventory that would be actually gone to or would be allocated to our National Guard units and others. Um, the Navy come, came up with this great new shipbuilding plan, which is basically we're going to retire all the cruisers because they're too expensive to maintain, which is true. But the Navy, you know, can't think beyond today. And um, we have a Marine Corps that's busy yeah. trying to uh, refocus themselves into something because they want to, they want to go lightweight and they, but they're losing their mobility. Uh, it, it's just remarkable that, uh, you know, we've spent the, we spent the last 20 years fighting, fighting wars or, or conflicts that um, we, you know, we were ill-equipped to, uh, to win leadership wise or to uh, fight properly leadership wise and we didn't have any uh, sort of uh, plan to uh, replenish the stocks I mean we have maintenance issues across the board on on everything from you, you know humvees all the way to the f-22s and the flying router so I, I mean we have pilot shortages we have maintainer shortages we have 11 Bravo shortages yeah. it just it's it's remarkable and then we have um, a DOD leadership that just constantly says, but we have, we have problems inside DOD of, uh, for, you know, radical extreme ex- extremism or whatever it is. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just very, I'm very worried and I'm very concerned that 
we keep sending all the wrong signals and, and some leaders somewhere, and I'm not saying Putin or, or the Chinese leadership, but, but some tin pot dictator somewhere is going to say, now's my chance to grab X and, you know, and, and the country that owns X is going to say, Hey, us, you know, come on, you guys, you guys need to help us and we're going to be ill-equipped and it's just going to be a cascading effect of, uh, of, of, of conflicts. And as I think Joe's been saying, we're going to have a series of not one giant, enormous global conflict, but a series of global conflicts in localized conflicts across the globe. Hey, before, before Stan disappears again, Stan, can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I, I, I want to try to get him to maybe restart his, like, redo his, his router. So when he pops back in here, guys, I want to, I assume he will pop back in again. Um, I want to try so to get him. There's to a lot of questions in the chat about the, the Marine Corps reorganization and, and all of that. Uh, I honestly believe that, that the Marine Corps knows what the fight against China is going to look like, and they're lightening everything they have. Uh, and, and, a, and a force that thinks it's going to be winning doesn't do that. No. Right. They're preparing to fight a guerrilla war in a rear area. So, well, I mean, aren't they aren't they kind of focused on the whole kind of island hopping? I, you know, the right, idea that not, they're going to be. But fighting. not even that. They're focusing on being able to sustain without outside sustainment. So that means yep. getting put on islands well to the rear and not moving forward, but operating in the rear area. You mean our rear area or China's yes. rear area? Well, China's both, rear area, either. but both. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that as a as a discussion as towards to make their offensive capabilities more agile. Um, but we'll see. Hey, real quick, I want to give uh, Stan. All right, hey Stan, we can see. Did, have you restarted your brow your uh, your router? Uh, uh, no, I did not. Yeah, I mean, if your internet keeps kind of crapping out, a lot of times that's that's the problem. So yeah, if it, cra I, I don't if it craps out again, my recommendations. Reboot your router and then also restart your computer once the router comes back yeah. on. So. Yeah, I don't know what the, that was all about. I apologize for. Uh, so, hey, real quick, real quick, I want to get us back on track with the uh, with the Russia bit. So, um, so Stan, let me ask you this: What once the shooting stops? You know, we we were just talking about NATO is is as interested in, in, in keeping Russia potentially. Uh, fighting, you know, that's they see that as Russia depleting themselves. Um, you know, nobody's going to come out and say in NATO that we want to see Russia and Ukraine continue to fight. You know, they all say, "Oh, well, we want peace," but that may not be the case. If Russia decides they want to stop fighting and basically freeze the conflict, a la the last eight years, you know, along yeah. the Donbas line of control, what I mean, so. What's their thought process there? What kind of walk me through, you know, the Russian uh, point of view uh, on something like that? In terms of how to stop this thing? Well, not how to stop it, but what what is Russia thinking? You know, what why are they, you know, you know, why would they why would they freeze the conflict for some amount of time? You know, do you think it's a, a rearming reorganization so that they can then kind of do more? Or do you? Yeah, think... I mean, I think it's I think they're I think, like I said, we're going to have a, a, a sort of a natural slowdown in this conflict come next winter. Um, and, and that'll be the opportunity for both sides to sort of uh, assess whether or not 
it's in their collective best interest to continue to fight this war um, um, ad nauseum without at least some sort of a pause for both sides to sort of get, you know, to sort of figure it out. Um, I, I think the Russians may want to do that depending upon how depleted they are. Um, I, I don't doubt that NATO wants to continue to sort of draw this out without having to necessarily have boots on the ground in terms of consuming uh, military equipment on the on the Russian side. That will be the real test as to whether or not the Chinese have got the Russians back backs, assuming that they're not going to make a leap at Taiwan and whether there's any resupply that's going to be going on next winter with uh, with China and Russia. Um, at some point, Putin may want to pause just to rebuild political capital internally. I mean, he's going to he's 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 going to run again. I've forgotten when the election is, but he can technically continue to serve um, sufficient terms to get him to twenty thirty six. I think is the number. Does he so, still have to do that weird alternate thing? No, they they've rewritten the constitution. Okay. Um, to to he doesn't have to become prime minister and. And put Medvedev in as as president, uh, as they did back in the back in the day. Um, but I, 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 there will there will come a point at which if they're if they're if they're not making progress, they'll freeze this conflict. They'll shift over to non kinetic warfare, however you want to describe that, and and they'll bide their time and try to weaken Ukraine in other ways until you know until they're the next time. Because I just don't think. I don't think they're going to give up anything that they've won in this in this instance. Um, I just don't, it's just not consistent with uh, Russian character. Well, and on top of that, Zelensky has shown no appetite for accepting anything less than the full pre two thousand thirteen you know borders. Oddly enough, I think if Taiwan cooked off, um, I think the U.S. position would be dramatically different you're not going to see 800 million dollars a week in aid going to Zelensky um in that scenario because even you know we're just it's just not feasible so he may his leash may get tugged pretty hard if if the Chinese make a move on Taiwan yeah that's a that's a good point Joe particularly particularly since there's nothing coming from anybody else to speak of yeah so, Joe, just kind of looking into your crystal ball as far as like, you know, just specific to Russia. I mean, what are some of the kind of things going on? You know, I know you're a student of history and you're also a student of Russia to a certain extent. What 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 are some of the kind of psychology of, of maybe the the mass uh, Russia's, you know, what what are they thinking that kind of, you know, that kind of gets them through the next year, two years, three years, and and what becomes and how does that kind of affect Putin? Do you think? Despite their 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 history, Russians believe what they're told, and so um, they needed an external boogeyman, and they have one. And and what, what's funny is is that the Western media made a big deal about all the protests that were uh, anti-war. But quite frankly, they were very small and they're very limited. And the vast majority of Russians are buying the party line that that there's a Ukrainian boogeyman out there and that NATO is coming right behind him. So I, I don't see any uh, I don't see support waning for Putin. the people of him. They love what he's doing. Uh, there is some dissent, but the vast majority of Russians are, are happy to see a president 
who is finally standing up for Russia and is finally improving the lot of Russia or trying to as best he can. So I, I don't see him having any sort of uh, political fallout from this, anything but good. Um, they honestly believe he's fighting for the existence of, of Russia, whether right or wrong. Uh, and, and that's um, he's going to continue to reap the benefit from that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, clearly they're showing that inside cities there is some variance of opinion, but uh, the vast majority of the people outside of the cities, you know, really think that Putin is a good old Russian boy who wants to yep. do right for Russia. He's the only one that cares about Russia. Everybody else just wants a piece of Russia. You know, I think, uh, you know, there's even a good internal foil against, you know, anytime Putin needs an internal enemy, he's able to basically gen up one of these oligarchs who, you know, he can kind of turn into, you know, like Abramovich. Like He'll turn him into an I, agent of the West, right? Right. Yeah. Well, like Abramovich is a great example with all his kind of, uh, you know, so far he's still a Russian supporter, I think, nominally. But uh, it would be very easy for Putin to say, look how these, you know, oligarchs are selling us down the river. Uh, as soon as oh, yeah. it gets tough and, and NATO attacks us, because, of course, they... They frame it that way. Then all well, of a sudden, if, if the, I was Abramovich, I'd be spending as much time as I could out of Russia, because the first time this turns south, that's exactly what Putin's going to do. He's going to snatch him off the street and say, you know, he just got so ingrained over there in in the United Kingdom, and he's now a NATO agent. Yeah, it, 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 if, if he decides to do that, I think history has shown it doesn't matter whether he's in Russia or not. Um, if well, that's true. If that's somebody true. wants to put the button on him. He's you know. I mean, and particularly if they want to make an example out of it. I mean, they, they Polonium 210, that uh, Lipinenko, was it Lipinenko? What was the guy's name in, uh, in, uh, in, in London? So uh, it's, uh, there's a, they got a long arm if they really yeah. want to do it. Um, okay, so, so this kind of, it, it, this kind of gets into the idea of, of national psyche, right? And like what, so what are the, I mean, Putin, I, I think when you look at a guy like Putin, right, you're going back earlier in his life, the, the, the strong opinions he's had, say, 20 years ago, you know, when he was just really getting started in, in his kind of current position, those are probably his real positions, right? Because you get more politically savvy, you get more public awareness of what works and what doesn't but ultimately your motivations don't really change you know outside of maybe you know you get a little greedier right um yeah so going and so one of the things i wanted to talk about real quick is the whole well what is what would putin's end game be in this kind of greater you know game of chess that we have uh amongst great powers you know and i, I don't I think, think for him, it's internal power because we're playing right into his hand because he's telling his people that NATO keeps expanding and they want to destroy Russia. So what do we do? We go ahead and we put Finland, who is an existential threat to Russia due to historical reasons, in NATO. All he has to do is say, I'm not the one saying it. Look at what they're doing. And we're well, feeding him all of this free and all of this free propaganda. Right. Let, for, forget historical reasons. Let's look at geographic reasons. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Look, Longest they're, land they're worried about Ukraine because it threatens Moscow. How much closer is the Finland border? Yeah. 
So. Well, I mean, so, but but the thing I w- the point I was kind of getting to was that I I see the the that Russia is more interested in regionalism versus, uh, you know, grand conquest of. You know, they don't see, you know, a, a, you know Russia from the, the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast. That's not their view. You know, they don't have the kind of the, the German view of the, of the ever-expanding German, uh, you know, over the entire globe. Same, same with the, the Soviets. The Soviet, you know, the thing that made the Soviet Union and uh, Soviet communism different than um, previous versions of communism was the fact that they saw... Uh, communism as a global uh, struggle, and uh, I don't see that at all. It, you know, I I kind of go to that kind of Alexander Dugan, you know, that that neo Eurasianism. Uh, I think is uh, is really what motivates the national psyche of Russia and and Putin specifically, right? I mean, you know, if if we if we if we look at what what the hell does he want? But so what does that mean? That means like, well, he doesn't want to take over Europe, I don't think. Um, I think Russia wants to be Russia. I think it wants to have the near abroad. Um, sure that I, if they think that they could swallow up a Finland or, a, you know, some of the uh, Central Asia stuff, I, I think they would in a heartbeat. Uh, but that being said, um, I, I don't think they have greater ambitions outside of the, the area that they can you know, exercise direct hegemony over. Um, so, you know, how does that, how does that work in then with Europe? So what is, what is, you know, what does Putin want Europe to look like if, if he's able to get what he wants inside of Russia and how is he going to get that? I mean, I think we've saw, we've seen, I think Putin would much more likely to have a, a Le Pen in France, you know, and some of these other, uh, populist, you know, more, more right, right of center populist guys, because for the most part, they don't want to get involved in other people's, you know, nonsense. So I think that works in Putin's favor. I mean, what say you guys? Um, I'll take a crack at this. Um, Russia has 11 time zones. They, they don't need a lot more Lebensraum uh, yeah. from that perspective. Um, but they do want a buffer as it relates to Europe. We've been over this and over this and over this as it relates to NATO. Um, but the one thing that I haven't heard anybody say is that Russia may not want to conquer Europe, but they do want to break NATO. Yeah. Um, and, and so what that means is the end game for Europe from a Russian perspective and there are good ways toward that. And, and, and Germany is a great case study. Um, it's, no, it's no mistake or no accident that the most pacifist member, member of NATO is the most dependent upon Russia for energy. And, and that is the card that is going to continue to be played because we ran the math. You can't run LNG to Europe, either from the Middle East or from North America on any sort of economic basis. So all of this stuff about LNG terminals, which take long, long time to build, you know, we're going to, we're going to build, you know, big, big tank LNG tankers. You know, if, if you want to think about what is the worst place on the planet to be in a shooting war, it would be a crewman on an LNG tanker. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, you don't right. need a stinger. All, or, you need, all you need is an M80 to set or, one of those bad boys off. But or, I mean, the, the point is, the point is, is that the continued dominance of of European energy is is Russia's endgame for controlling the outcome in 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 a Europe post NATO. That is that is the extrapolated view. How long is that going to take? The Russians can't tell you that. I can't tell you that. But that's the that's the goal is a sphere of influence driven by economic dependence that is based on on not technology but basic sort of resources that Europe needs to continue to be Europe for that matter. And so you can spin the windmills, you can build the solar cells, you can do a lot of stuff at the margin. But when it comes to baseload, Russia wants to be the baseload energy provider to much of Europe. And and oddly enough, it's the French who are probably in the best position to, to resist that, given France's reliance uh, this number may be off by a couple of points. 70%, I want to say. It's high 60s, low 70s. 70% of, of French baseload is nuclear-based. So the yeah, only no. country the only country in Europe that can do this from an energy perspective is France. is France. Well, you know, that's yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and, and it really allows us to kind of see what, you know, it, as long as Europe... I mean, even if they do the LNG route, I mean, they would. I mean, we're looking at what two years before they can have any real increase in, in sustainable capacity for LNG. Well, Germany, who needs it the most, have refused to build ports. They'd have to build from the ground up. And you, as far as I've seen, the quickest you can put one of those up is four years, and that's if you have all the capital in place with ESG stuff. Well, that the the, the 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 obstacle there, watcher, is less capital driven than it is regulatory in in, in yeah. the EU. Oh yeah, okay. that yeah that I, I wasn't including EU red tape. That's just regular red tape on all these other countries down in so, this area that are building them. Well, but another factor in this, you know, actually it goes to what Hunch's chat is here. So Hunch for five says um, Putin's next step is rebuilding the Russian military morale and pride. Now that he's made NATO the enemy at the gate, he needs a skilled army. So no, I think there's something to be said for that, and I think that kind of goes to the point. The I think I think the points that I did like from that tweet that uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, Stan, you, yeah, his his tweet thread uh, I thought kind of spoke to this. Um, you know, the Russian military problem is not capability; it's capacity. Um, they're really getting to the point where they don't have the capacity to continue these high tempo operations uh, with the current equipment and personnel spend that they're going through. I mean, sure, I think that some of the uh, personnel uh, claims that Ukraine and, and NATO made could at times seem a little high. Uh, but that being said, it, it's kind of hard to argue with a, a picture of a burning tank. Right. So we know or a captured tank. Well, or, or it's well, really it's, see, that's, that's, it's hard that's, to argue with unit disposition afterwards as well with with the way that they're chopping units up and, and to fill up other ones. So let's let's just take that at face value because we can argue what units right. have been decimated and whatever. Let's just say that 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 the Russian military has been impaired significantly by the both the uh, military and manpower losses in Ukraine. All the more reason to freeze this next winter. Right. All the more reason to then 
turn Nord Stream 2 back on. Stan, can oh. I ask you to clarify, because our chat has asked a couple times, when you say next winter, do you mean winter 2022 to 2023, or do you mean uh, 2023 to 2024? No, I think it's 22-23. Okay. I, I, think, I think going into December of this year, I think you're going to start to see things wind down at wherever, wherever the action is at that particular point. Um, and I still think that they're going to try to make a move for Odessa, whether they'll be successful there or not, I don't know. Um, uh, but then, you know, whatever accord comes out of this, then, uh, it's a ceasefire. You're going to start to see less pressure on, um, acceptance of Russian oil and gas, et cetera, et cetera. And so Putin's going to rebuild his army with payments that are made to him by the European nations for energy that they badly need. You know, it's, 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 I, I, I had to write an analysis um, um, before I, I was in country in Armenia from 2002 to 2005 and I was asked for an analysis on what was going to happen with Karabakh and I said 15 years from now after the Azeris have gotten really wealthy selling oil and gas Karabakh is going to kick off again and you're not going to recognize um, the army that you've been fighting since the late 80s into a frozen conflict and 1994 and by golly that's exactly what happened um and and so so the russians are going to upgrade their military based on payments from europe and other places for oil and gas that people need and i i want to add on to that because it's gonna it's only going to get worse they're only able to draw down as much as they have uh, I just learned about this the other day because there's a very large field in the Netherlands that was supposed to be shut down because it's causing massive subsidence in the area that it's in um, that the Netherlands government decided to uh, uh, prolong the opening of, even though they know it's going to continue to cause the, the land around it to subside. And so th they can only keep it open for another year at most. So I mean, you know, there's there's some there's some long-term structural problems <clears throat> that that Europe faces, and I think Russia, I think that's one of Russia's kind of the the kind of arrows in their quiver uh, in this whole thing is to play uh, the realities of Europe off of of what they need. Um, you know, Europe. You know, there may be parts of Europe that want to see Russia destroy itself in Ukraine, but ultimately, I think what we're going to see is. Uh, you know, Russia's going to probably have a little more patience than 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 what you know some in Europe would give them credit for. Um, that being said, I mean, that's you an know, understatement, Scott. That's an understatement. Uh, you, you know, we, we've we've all talked about the divergence of timelines from a decision making perspective. Yeah. We don't have to re restate that, but people lose sight of it. Well, I think the problem to the problem Europe faces that is that let's say they got serious tomorrow, right? Like, okay, this we need to take we need to get serious with our own security and all that kind of stuff. This is, I mean, forget about you know turning a battleship around. I mean, this is like this is like three battleships for them to to get a that they would have to either increase their income somehow dramatically, but they they can't do that because it's already the most heavily taxed population on the face of the earth um so what do they do they have to then reallocate their spending well what are they going to turn off all these great social programs so that they can now afford uh, a, a a military that potentially can uh, defend itself without the u.s 
the U.S. help. I mean, that's just not going to happen. And then even if they decided they wanted it to happen, it would take a long time to, to you know, make that happen. So, uh, you know, I think I think Russia pausing, I think most of the uh, the losses that they that Russia has suffered in this war, however you want to estimate them, both pro, you know, if you're a pro-Russian person, you want to downgrade the, the losses. Or if you're the most hardcore Ukrainian who thinks that, you know, every smokes column in the on the you know eastern sky is uh, 10 Russian tanks going up in flames. Um, they're going to still be able to build rebuild their capacity. They've got the capabilities. I think the Russians have probably learned some lessons as well as far as, you know, what to do and what not to do in this kind of modern age of uh of maneuver warfare. Um so I think that I think that you know, the training. I think Putin's probably going to get serious on some of this corruption. I think he's going to use that corruption angle as a tool the way Xi has uh, to kind of uh, go against some of his political allies or political enemies. Um, so that's what I'm looking for out of Russia. Both here of them? The... <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, there's not many left. Yeah, there's not, there aren't a whole lot, but you, but you, you know, you can elevate somebody literally just to turn them into a political enemy and then, and then, <laughs> and then kill them. Uh, you, you know, a, a good dictator makes his own enemies, right? It's always good to have a straw man. Well, and so, I mean, I, th this is just, you know, so the, Russia is just a, you know, it's a it's a tough kind of nut to crack. And in many ways, the uh, Mastryoka dolls, you know, is exactly what Russia is. You know, every time you open one and you think you've gotten to what's inside, basically you've got another of the same thing. So, hey, one one thing I'll mention, and this is a little bit off topic, but it does play to to sort of your broader question on what does Russia want. Um, one of the reasons why Russia is not happy about Finland and Sweden um, joining NATO. Uh, is is that uh, Arctic development is a big deal for the Russians. So with uh, retreating ice caps and so forth, the capacity to have uh, navigable ports on the Arctic Ocean um, make Rush make certain things in Russia far more economic for them um, in terms in terms of their access to the rest of the world. Uh, so that, that's a big deal. It's 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 not on very many people's radar screen, but it is a big big deal in terms of where are you going to see Russian uh, economic development efforts um, in the uh, in the near future. And that is, it, 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 you you want to be cynical about it. You can say, well, they're pushing oil and gas because global warming works in their favor. That's right. that's what you'll hear from from the left. But uh, but the point is is that. Their ability to navigate uh, freely in the Arctic for a good part of the year cuts their transportation costs for, for a lot of different things. Yeah. I, and they're I, good at it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, the other thing I was thinking, too, is that and I wanted to kind of I, I kind of forgot to mention this, but um, at the height at the height of all the, you know, genocidal massacres and all this kind of stuff that are being perpetuated in the media by Russia. Right. Uh, whether you believe them or not, I mean, you know, truth is often uh, stranger than fiction. And, and, you know, and we'll see uh, in, in the end. Um, but at the height of all this, 
all that oil is still going into Germany. Germany did turn the, the spigots off, right? Well, and so, it's going into Hungary. Hungary just going, signed a new deal. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's going, going into a lot of places. It's going all over the place, right? And so, um, and because of that, uh, as soon as the Russians do anything that looks like a, a ceasefire or, you know, some sort of, even if it's a, you know, more than just a temporary ceasefire, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, people start to break the lines on these sanctions. And I think the first will be the international corporations. You know, once Russia kind of, once the guns go quiet for more than about two weeks uh, and there's grumblings of talks and, you know, Istanbul or someplace like that, you know. We back, we back. Yeah. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you know, no, your McDonald's may not, but we're not talking about McDonald's here. McDonald's is, is small ball, right? We're talking the, the oil companies are going to, you know, well, you know, we're going to go ahead and honor our deals. And, you know, and this is an incentive to incentivize the Russians to uh, do the right thing and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, India is going to, India doesn't even have to make uh, any kind of like, excuses as to what they do they're just going to go back to business as normal china same same but with more i think china i think you're going to see the interlinkage between china and russia is a permanent interlinkage now yeah, um, uh, real quick for romeo he's posted it a couple times the um yeah russia does sell refined product uh as a matter of fact if you go back to prior to february the 24th and for a while thereafter um, I think the number was 11% of uh, gasoline in the United States was being purchased, was being imported uh, from Russia because we weren't, we're not self-sufficient from a refining perspective uh, any longer. So we were buying Russian ga refined gasoline up to and, and, and to the point of, uh, of the Biden administration's sanctions. So, yeah, they're selling, they're selling refined product in selected markets. So, I mean, I, you know, I think I think that we're seeing, you know, I like I, I so I guess I, it gets back to this goes back to the point about bu building their military. Right. As soon as as soon as they do any kind of freezing of hostilities, I think what we're going to see is the ability for Russia to source, you know, semiconductors. I think I think they're going to become much more self-sufficient going forward. Of course, they want to avoid uh, the next time, the next time big shooting starts, I think they would want to avoid. Uh, so I've been doing some research in the semiconductor, uh, you know, manufacturing and what what kind of chip fabs do they have inside Russia? Uh, and there they do have some, but it's mostly either commercial focused or it's uh, older, older tech, you know, basically five, ten years old uh, microprocessor techs. So. Um, so that you know there is some of that internally but i think that you know things like their fails fire control systems inside their their most recent version of the t72 tank i think that's going to be the thing that's going to be harder even after the uh to source um so it'll be interesting to see how they adapt their military going forward i think we'll see new variants um on a lot of their vehicles that will use chinese uh components over some of the European components that they were using. Um, and that'll be an interesting uh, thing to see going forward. Um, that being said, I think that I think Russia bounces back pretty quickly because of the price of oil, because I don't see the price of oil going down significantly. Uh, 
um, well, at least within the next three more years with with the current administration at the helm. It, it could. I mean, there, there's a scenario that would facilitate that, but it's not on the playbook. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's see what happens in the midterms. By the way, if anybody's keeping score at home, Ron DeSantis is on a roll. Um, he signed legislation today that makes it a felony to be, if you're caught with more than two ballots in your possession on an election, five years and $50,000. Um, wow. Yeah, so this whole sort of uh, ballot grooming, I'm going to continue to use that, um, ballot harvesting, ballot grooming, whatever you want to say, um, there's, uh, and he signed that legislation. It wasn't proposed. He signed it today. There's real teeth in it down there in Florida. And that is that has got to go on um, across the United States. Especially you know, you, since, since either today or yesterday, Michelle Obama came out talking about we need mass mail-in voting yet again, right? Yeah. Well, and, and that's exactly that's exactly what allowed the last election to happen. So, I mean, so real quick, Catherine Smith, actually, she this is a good point to kind of book in my uh, my little uh, rant there. Uh, they are pretty damn self-sufficient uh, already. That's why the sanctions aren't having a huge impact. Commodities based uh, makes them bounce back quicker than the U. Spot on. I think that the uh, drink, everybody, by the way. Um, I think that, um, you know, you know, the fact that they're able to just, you know, even they're making money even at a discount. Right, Stan, with the oil that they're selling to, say, like India yeah, and Russian, places like this. Russian, Russian cost of production is an average of 45 bucks a barrel. And, and in so all honesty, in, uh, our sanctions in, only impact us. Right. Other right. countries are, are still going to buy it. Right. Brazil's well, buying you know, it up. I mean. There's, a, there's another aspect of this that we've touched on, but it's worth repeating here. And, and um, the activities that took place with our sanctions, and, uh, and, and in many ways the most egregious of them was to freeze the Central Bank of Russia's uh, foreign currency reserves. Um, some of that stuff was in, on deposit in New York. Some of it was in deposit in other places. That, that much talked about $630 billion of, of, of of currency um, and, and reserves. And, and it's amazing to me how people have just assumed, well, just that's our money now. We can, we can use it to, you know, do this in Ukraine and do that in Ukraine. That's had a real chilling effect on this, on the dollar sort of aspect of this. Now, right now, because interest rates have risen so high, the U S dollar is very, very strong. But if this, this conflict freezes and you begin to get a thaw as it relates to trade and other aspects, this trend of other countries not using the dollar as a payment system is going to continue to develop. And the Chinese and the Russians are going to be at the forefront of making that happen. Because governments look around and say, it was Putin's turn in the barrel now. I don't know when it may be my turn in the barrel. And I don't want my foreign currency reserves to be, to be uh, sequestered at the Federal Reserve in, in, in New York. We, we've burned a lot of bridges in terms of the trust that people had for, if your money was, your money was on deposit with the Federal Reserve, it was money good. Well, I I think that um, I think that we we've seen even some of our European allies have been reallocating some of the their, Swiss. Uh, the Swiss are doing this. Come yeah. on, you know. 
Um, you know, I, so I think we've kind of touched on uh, our Russia topic for today. I mean, there's still a lot of, of stones on, that haven't been turned over yet, but uh, I think we've kind of answered some of those questions as far as really looking at what what does Russia's kind of uh, playbook look like going forward, both in the midterms and then the long term. Um, I thought maybe we could, so so nominally we're at two hours. I thought maybe we could uh, look at some of the the stuff that the uh, chat's talking about. Um, did Orrin Hatch die? No, apparently he has switched to the Democratic Party. Ah, that's what it is. All right, there we go. No, he, <laughs> yes, he died. I was, yeah, it's, I was joking. No, he did die. Well, yes, yes and, and okay. also I, that I, means I, he switched to the Democratic Party. Yes, he's going <laughs> to vote That means he, he can vote as a Democrat. That's right. Um, you, I know you, you were asking in the private chat uh, there, Watcher, because you want to schedule that. Uh, I, you know, if you do we want to kind of put an end time on this so that we can schedule Joe's premiere? Well, it, uh, it lets me do it in 15-minute incre increments. So we can I can schedule it for 7.30 or 7.45. Well, knowing the way we go, why don't you do it for 7.30? That way uh, that puts a hard kind of in in time for us sounds good and then we can uh we can we can swing the chat over uh right up till uh, you guys go live with that right um okay anyway so let let i thought we could just look at some of these uh bob dole switch to i think you know, bob dole bob dole i was, was gonna, I was go gonna point out that while we were on this show uh your your neighbor to the north got on his desk and started screeching too. So, um, oh good lord, what's going on with North Korea? I no idea. He's talking about uh, talking about he's got a weapon that no no one in the world can can withstand, and we're all going to find out about it very soon. So, well, I don't. I'm not privy to any infra, inside information or anything like that. And if I were, I couldn't tell you about it. But what I can just tell you from the looking at the news. Is that um, you know the new president is much more hawkish on the U.S. alliance um, than than Moon. Um, and, you know he's already done a visit to uh, Pyongyang here. Um, I think that was last week, uh, and so I think we're going to start seeing a lot more, you know, verbal mm -hmm. back and forth between North Korea and South Korea. Uh, and I think we'll you know the U.S. will probably be a little more at the front of that kind of discussion. Mm -hmm. They're even talking about, uh, you know, increasing their partnerships with uh, Japan too. So, you know, it's serious when, when they put in bygones, uh, letting bygones be bygones. Um, all right. What else is going on here in the chat? Uh, let's see. Oh, there we go. So, uh, you know, uh, expect a new leather jacket and aviator glasses video soon. So uh, are we talking about the Miles? Cause, uh, Kim Jong-un. Is... No. Oh, yes. Kim Jong-un. Yes. I, well, it I looks like an Miles. album cover to me. I mean. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm really looking forward to this more hip and cooler Kim Jong-un. I mean, it's, it makes for uh, better content on the, on the Internet. That's for sure. Heavy K and the boys. You know, you. You know, you got to think that Kim Jong Un. You know, even though he doesn't, uh, he he's got the internet. You know, him personally, but his people don't have the internet. But I bet he still is conscious 
about looking cool on the internet. Uh, and he seems like he's lost a little weight here lately too, right? Yeah. Eye of the his... tiger, man. Eye of the tiger. You know, I I can well, I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this. Past me is probably gonna show up in a time machine here and smash me over the head with a brick or something. But like, gosh, I'm glad that guy's alive right now because I learned about his sister who is apparently next in line and like, hey, go Kim. <laughs> yeah, talk about talk, talk about the uh, stereotypical batshit crazy. Holy cow! Yeah, she's a piece of work. Uh, let's see. Um, what else is going on in the chat here? Yeah. So, Joe, you've got your. Uh, you want to tell everybody about your um, your video that you're got coming out. Yeah, so actually on this channel on Monday, we're going to have um, a, a South African on. He's involved in the security business and gun sales in South Africa to talk about the 2021 riots and what happened there and the current riots going on. Um, I, I find South Africa to be sort of the, uh, the globalist testing ground. And so uh, I think that he has a lot of insight to share that we can use to prepare. So he'll be coming on tonight. What we have is a video to, to kind of warm everyone up for that. Uh, Watcher and I going over and analyzing a bunch of videos from the 2021 riots. That's my face when the guy with those pants walked into the walked into the thing. You'll you'll see the pants in the video. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, it's a pretty great video where we analyze some of the things that happened and point out how similar it looks to a modern Western society because it is a modern Western society, and how these riots could have been anywhere in America. And kind of how prepared citizens and civilians are what held the country together and kept it from becoming a total collapse. Well, you know, the South Africa is very, I, you know, I definitely, I was given uh, uh, Watcher a hard time. You know, while we all know what the South African flag is, so many people don't. And they'd be like, why does it look like he's he's got uh, like a, you know, all those colors just such a colorful you know is that some sort of lgbtq thing going on with his uh south africa letters or something like that so <laughs> i thought that was funny uh you know i mean most people are just so ignorant about they don't even know where south africa is you know much less uh <laughs> that it has what its flag looks like so and you uh, know what after our video we're so informative and educational you will know where it is. You'll know about Malima, and you'll know about Ramaposa, and and all these other guys. So, he's stuff, not, yeah. we do a map segment, Scott. There's a map segment. We do a map segment just for you. Well, if you know, if you don't, if you if you don't, uh, you know, like Meta referred to me uh, in the map segment. Like, I wouldn't Scott be had? Then you you've lost, you missed a trick, right? You very so well may we have. Could. I'm not sure if that made the cut, but what <laughs> was said. Well, I'm just I know Stan's happy to know that there would be a max seg segment on South Africa. I'm 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 fairly familiar with South Africa. So, so I, chat just so you guys are aware when, during the, the the premiere, I know that at least Joe and I are going to be in the chat and some of the other council members might join for at least the first the first portion. So it'll be kind of like watching it with us. We'll be there. Yeah, we'll be in the chat. Um, at least some of us will be. Uh, so, Stan, you've been, you're pretty familiar with South Africa. What's kind of your take on where they're going right now? I mean, just in, in kind of preparation for our show on uh, Monday. Oh, I, I I need to bone up on it a little bit. I just I have 
um, experience in South Africa, and I, I think South Africa is is um, well. I want to be careful about how I say this. I, I think South Africa's best days are behind it. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yeah, it, I mean it was such a powerhouse. I mean, you know, I mean it, it's it's shocking what 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 can happen to America in a year with the change of leadership. Just think of that, but times uh, twenty years. Uh, or more with the uh, change in leadership in uh, uh, in South Africa. I mean, the, the you know the first couple years after apartheid, the leadership was fairly competent. I think because of that deep state, essentially kept was unchanged uh, within you know the administrative state within South Africa pretty much kept going. But as you know the culture and as the you know the changes have been made much more. To the root level, I think we've seen just a deterioration in South Africa. Just their ability to to function in a in a more regular way. South South Africa won't ever become Zimbabwe, but it's headed in that direction. Make Zimbabwe Rhodesia again. <laughs> well, so uh, I'm, you know. I think maybe we'll just call it here then, and then we can get people uh, moved over to the. Uh, do you have the uh, premiere uh, kind of queued up so that people can jump, start jumping into it? Not yet. Oh, Anticommy for five dollars. Here we go. Anticommy for five dollars. South Africa is a decade further down the commie claptrap than the U.S. is. Well, I, I don't think it's a decade. I actually think it's probably nine to ten months. Um, but but what do I know? Yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, it's it. there's that whole understanding of the acceleration, right? I mean, things just kind of start speeding up much quicker than, than we expect them to. Ron, where can the folks find you? <clears throat> uh, in, uh, in about 24 inches of snow here in uh, the Black Hills of South Dakota. Yeah, I heard that. Hey, you can find me at uh, ronmuller.com or... Uh, my Twitter page. Um, I do appreciate the uh, folks in the chat that have, uh, you know, 